Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Boy, have we got a show for you today. I'm Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your relationship guide. Today, we're going to take you on a journey of families, managing your family to the highest level you can. Who better to teach us that than the Duggars, the Duggars from 19 Kids and Counting, a TLC reality show where they just, just for the show, they went and had 19 kids. I don't know if that's exactly how they did it. They have 19 kids. They're raising 19 beautiful children, and we're going to be interviewing them in just a few minutes. So we don't want to waste any time with my idle chit-chat, as I get reminded so often here is just useless <laughs> idle chit-chat. So here's what we've asked. Uh, we got the whole team. Michael Pond's here. He just gave me a salute. Sean O'Neill's in the house. And, of course, Maddie Richards. Now, Maddie has been doing a little bit of research for us and has found that maybe one of the greatest, most important keys to a healthy family life is what, Maddie? Having a purpose for your family. Having you, a family motto. What's the motto? Well, I don't have one because I don't have a family. <laughs> no, what's the motto? What's the motto you? What's the motto you? <laughs> you guys are Get off so of my back. Funny. What's the motto? That was funny. Okay. okay um, so, so, so a motto, a family purpose, like a mission statement. Yeah. You need to have a, a purpose behind your family. And the Duggars yeah. are obviously, they believe, um, they quote, children are a blessing from the Lord yeah. a lot. That's a thing that their family is really passionate about. And, and it, and it, We've already done the interview, right? So you already know that we're going to tell you they're very into this motto. And the motto is the driving force behind every issue, every opportunity, everything they do, every pain, everything that I would call obnoxious. They put it in context of a bigger purpose. Yeah. And so what we want you to think about while you're um, listening today is that does your family have a purpose? What do you want your kids to know that you are passionate about? All of these huge. kids know how their parents feel about children, how their parents yeah. feel about different things. And it's important for you to instill in your kids, this is what our family is all about. And sometimes it seems like, because I'm this way all the time, I always just joke about how hard children are. <laughs> but they And they are. Yet, what I love about this interview is the power, honestly, of... Loving their children. They flat out love them and see them as a gift from God, not just this torturing device <laughs> that's sent here to, to destroy them. But having a motto, I think that's the key. Uh, there is – and I'm, this is going to seem like a very religious show today, just I think because the Duggars and – but there's a quote that says, people without vision perish. That's in the Bible, mm -hmm. Old Testament. So people without a vision of life perish. It's easier to just fall away and die. And so maybe that's what the whole motto's idea, idea is about is yeah. figure out what your your highest value, your highest principle. You want your kids to, when they're about to go out to a movie or do something with friends, to think, okay, is this what my family's about? If To have that stupid family yeah. motto running oh, through yeah. their head and they're going to go, I can't do this. Oh, no, it's so real. Because my parents have yep. taught me this ever since I was little. We have one. We have a motto. I can't tell anyone what it is, but it's uh, we do it every night. We'll gather around as a family. We'll have a prayer. And then we just have this really cool thing we say. 
And uh, I imagine that there will be a day at my funeral that they'll be gathering around my gravesite or wherever, <laughs> but they'll be able to do this. And for the rest of their life, they will do this thing that we've done since we were young and they'll always know. They'll always know that we're a family. No, that's great. And it's huge. My my friend, her she had a family motto, and their family motto was "Don't be pathetic." Okay, which that's, sounds that's super weird, yeah. but it can be something funny. Yeah. It can be something serious, like a Bible quote. Either way, you know, my friend remembers. Okay, is this pathetic? And Don't my parents pathetic. gonna think this is pathetic. <laughs> if you have a purpose, your family is gonna be better, gel well together. It's gonna be great. I think I think it's huge, and. Um, so we're going to challenge everybody as you listen to this interview, one of my favorite interviews of all time uh, that we've ever done on the Matt Townsend Show. The Duggar family, Jim, Bob, Duggar, Michelle, three of their lovely daughters are coming up next. Stick with us, folks. Hang on for the ride. 19 kids and counting. Let's learn everything we can over the next few segments here. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today is the day, the day dreams are made for many of our listeners, my daughter especially. The Duggars are on the phone. Uh, uh, honestly, when I told my daughter that we're going to be talking to the Duggars today, you would think that um, the world had come to an end and we were wrapping it all up. She was so disappointed she couldn't be here. This is one of her favorite families. And I think it's interesting, too, when we threw out on Facebook questions for the Duggars, you would not believe how many people are just all over this. So let's welcome them on the line with us today. Michelle Duggar uh, is joining us, her husband, Jim Bob Duggar. Jessa is with us. Ginger is with us, as is Jana, the Duggar clan. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. We are... We're so excited to have you guys. I mean, I know you're you're all kind of hovering around a few phones to to be able to make the call, but let me just kind of give some background because some people, I don't know who they would be, um, may not know everything about the Duggars that there is to know. But here's the most important thing I think I found in all of my research. Michelle Duggar loves ice cream and homemade chicken and dumplings. Uh, Jim Bob Duggar, uh, by the way, a commercial real estate investor. Many people don't know that. But Michelle and Jim Bob are the father and mother to 19 children, the grandparents to two. And um, they have a show on TLC, which uh, to me is has brought back this incredible spirit, uh, I think, of family and the power of being parents, the importance of human beings, and how we create and our stewardship as parents, our stewardship as children of God. And so, again, Michelle and Jim Bob, thank you for being on the show. Oh, it is a joy to be with you, Matt. This is a, a lot of fun. We enjoy encouraging other families. Do you have three grandchildren now? We do. We have three grandchildren, Mackenzie, Michael, and Marcus. They just keep coming, don't they, Michelle? They just keep oh, coming. Grateful grandparents, I tell you, we are so excited. It is such a joy. T- t- tell us this, and then I, we'll bring the daughters in in a minute. Um, Michelle and Jim Bob, I mean, I know there's some people out there that just don't get it, right? They don't, I mean, it, 19 is a lot of children, but I think when you watch what you're doing and you see the show, there is a spirit about this that that seems to kind of transcend 
your mission and your purpose here is is will you just talk about that for a second so we we can kind of get the context for why family matters so much well i'll tell you what it's amazing how the lord has changed our view about children over the years when we first got married we thought maybe we would have eventually like one or two children yeah three uh but what happened was michelle was actually on the birth control pill for the first three years of our marriage and then she um, went off that, and we had her first son, Josh. Huh. Then she went, <laughs> then she went back on the pill, and she actually got pregnant while she was on the pill, and oh, the pill caused a miscarriage. Yeah. And at that, we were just devastated. Here we were, holding this one baby in our arms and enjoying being parents, and then realizing that with our own hands our own lack of knowledge, we'd allowed our baby to be destroyed. Mm. And we just wept. We cried out to God, and we went to the Scriptures, and we found that God says children are and a gift and a reward yep. from Him. And at that point, we just said, Father, forgive us and give us a love for children like you love children. Yeah. And we gave that in our life to God. And right after that, the Lord blessed us with twins. Oh, there we go. And then another. Yeah, then another one. And another, another one. one. <laughs> and uh, we never dreamed that we'd have 19 kids and counting, but uh, but each one is such a blessing from the Lord and a gift from Him. One of the things that I that I got a lot of questions on today from on my Facebook page is you that quote you just gave about um, that is in the scriptures about children are a gift from you know, they're a gift because I have six children and I feel the gift and I can see that they're a gift but there's sometimes there there seems like they're a gift that you want to return right there's they're a gift that. Oh, they're so hard. And so the question I got a lot was, how? How do you just do it? How do you raise a family on – how do you make the budget? How do you make the bathrooms all work? How do you get through all of it? So maybe just inform us how – and, by the way, adding on top of that, a TV crew. You're doing this on TV. You can't even have a real breakdown. Well, you know, it is very amazing to us through the years. At the very beginning, it was a challenge. I remember uh, there was a point in my life when I just cried out to the Lord late one evening, probably more like early one morning in my laundry room, because I was finishing up the laundry because I knew if I didn't get it all done, I wouldn't have what I needed for the, the little ones that were potty training. Then you know, Right, the next day, and, yep. And I just remember with tears streaming down my cheeks as I was just talking to my Lord, and I said, Father, I am so grateful for each one of these gifts that you've given, but surely you've picked the wrong person for this job. <laughs> yeah. I am so inadequate. I feel so unable to love on each one of these little ones and teach and train and cook and clean and change the diapers, and and yet I remember as, as clear as could be. It was as if the Lord said to me, the verse of Scripture came back to my mind, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Mm. And then it was like he said to me, Michelle, are you willing to face me when it's hard and when it doesn't make sense? Yeah. And I remember just offering up that sacrifice of praise to my Lord, because at that moment it was a sacrifice of praise. But God inhabits the praise of His people. And as I began to just praise Him, and I I just began to sing, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to bed, 
that, that, you know, getting up the next day, nothing changed. I still had just as many diapers. Yeah, you still had the same dishes. stuff, right? The same chores. But God heard my cry, and he knew what I needed. And I remember being at our piano lessons, um, and my piano teacher for the children, She, I kept drifting off to sleep, and she said, Michelle, are you okay? And I said, oh, I'm just fine. <laughs> I stayed up late last night finishing laundry. And yep. she looked at me, and she said, laundry? Do you need help with your laundry? I love to do laundry. Oh, wow. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're kidding. Yeah, and no, so that's that an angel Saturday, right there. It is. I picked her up, brought her to our house that Saturday, and she did all of our dirty laundry oh, for wow. us. And I remember just crying and telling her, thank you, Miss Anderson. You really are an angel sent from the Lord. And for 13 years, Nana faithfully came and helped with our laundry. Wow. And I thought, you know what? God delights in showing himself strong. Yeah. And I think it's not about... Everybody's got a different place where they're struggling, but the Lord is faithful, and He will meet us right where we are, and He has been faithful through the years. I know that financially, Jim Bob said, if it weren't for our, uh, for us going through the Jim Salmon's Financial Freedom Seminar years ago, uh-huh. and it's a resource listed on our website. We don't make anything off of it. We just tell people, we heard this early on, and it made all the difference. It put us on the same track, gave us uh, the uh, financial principles from Scripture that talk about, you know, being debt-free, purposing to get out of debt and stay out of debt. Um, and another thing that I love about that is not just about finances, but it talks about the five purposes of the home. Mm-hmm. And my favorite chapter is listening to the cautions of your wife. Wow. Oh, no, that's good. Something that really helped. <laughs> D- did that help you, Jim Bob? Yes, yes. Uh, no, it really did. You know, I think a lot of times husbands make decisions and they think, well, I'm the leader. I'm going to make these decisions. But then sometimes they make bad decisions and yeah. it affects their whole family. Yep. My wife and I, do, and even our whole family, before we move forward on a major decision for us to talk about it and pray about it and then move forward, it it just it's amazing how the Lord mm. works everything out. You know, I, I see that just as a parent, I think, okay, it's one thing for like me and my wife to get on the same page. Then I wonder, how do you get 19 children on the same page? Um Maybe just give us a little a little insight into the Duggar family. If we're going to make a change or even decide on going on a trip, how do you involve everyone, or do you? Well, it used to be Michelle and I would just kind of talk about it. We would make the decision, and then we would all do it. Now we have, you know, 19 other people that are – a lot of them are adults that uh, kind of help us with the decision-making. And, you know, a lot of times I'll throw out an idea and uh, – the, the kids have their own ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, anyway, but it's a joy because they really all, they all do have their opinions and yeah. they all uh, put input. But what we try to do as a family is we try to have Bible time uh, most evenings and we talk about um, just like we read a scripture. A lot of times we'll read like the proverb of the day that corresponds with the day of the month. Mm-hmm. Like on the 15th, we'll read Proverbs chapter 15. And, and then and then as a family, we'll talk about it. And the good thing about Proverbs is is that it shows and talks about a lot of people who made wrong choices with their lives. And then it, it talks about how the consequences of those decisions. Yeah, how to and make – yeah, and then you can talk about it. Yeah, the benefits of making wise decisions. Yeah. And so as our kids learn, 
you know, God's principles, it's like it helps them make wise decisions yeah. and then asking God for wisdom. I love that, the idea that a family dialogue, a family meeting. Uh, we are talking with yeah. the Duggars. What a beautiful, um, I think, opportunity for all of us to get in behind the scenes on a TLC show, uh, Duggars 19 and Counting. Um, wonderful, I think, program. Very pro-family, very pro-marriage. And when we come back, we're going to then uh, get into the children. Jessa will be joining us. Ginger and Jana, the authors, along with Jill uh, Duggar, the authors of the book Growing Up Duggar. It's all about relationships. We're going to be talking about that book with those wonderful Duggar daughters, as well as mom and dad. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today, very, very special guests on the show today. If you've ever watched uh, TLC, the cable channel TLC, you've probably seen the show 19 Kids and Counting. Well, we've got the Duggars in the house. The Duggars are on the line with us today. Uh, Michelle Duggar, the queen of it all. Jim Bob Duggar, Jessa, Ginger, and Jana, they're all on the line with us today. And uh, we've been talking about their beautiful family. Again, what I so respect is, you know, it's it's strange to have so many children. That's such an oddity in our world. Um, and yet uh, you don't see them just trying to be odd. You see beautiful love, caring. You feel that it's a calling. You see how much the Duggars love each one of their children. They see them as a gift from God. And so on the show today, I thought it's such a great idea to pick their brain and find out how they do it. How are they raising these children with such love? Just in our interactions on the phones with their children, Jessa and Ginger and Jana, I'm telling you, they're the real deal. These kids are respectful. They're very, they're not, they're just open. They're caring. You can feel the good spirit that they bring. And so Again, we welcome Michelle on the line with us, Jim Bob on the line with us, Jessa, Ginger, and Jana. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. We do love having you on, and again, you're changing the world. I know it's part of your mission, but part of that that I think is fascinating that we I really want to talk about is I want to get to the girls, uh, Jessa, Ginger, and Jana, who are on the line, and then Jill, who's engaged but couldn't be on the phone with us today. They wrote a book, Growing Up Duggar. It's all about the relationships. And uh, in the book, they're, they're, they're trying to teach about, I think, the power of relationships. So let's just get right to it. Uh, Jessa, Ginger, Jana, welcome to the show. Thank you. Jessa, you are in the middle of something, I think, that's very special. Um, Jim Bob, I know, uh, is also a big part of this, as is the, the entire family. You're going through a courtship process, a process of, I, I guess, kind of dating. I'd love you to teach us, the rest of the, the listeners out there, what is this process of courtship? What What is the goal? It's not traditional dating. It's not how everyone else would go about finding you know, a, a, a spouse. You're courting. Talk about that. Yes, sir. Well, we call it courtship or dating with a purpose. And really, it's just um, seeking to evaluate a character and a potential spouse and thinking of that person, not just as, hey, I could hang out with this person and have fun or whatever, but but really thinking, 
is this a person that I would want for a future spouse? Is this a person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? Evaluating, is this man slow to anger? Is he somebody that I would want to be the father of my children? And really asking those questions. And then uh, as far as, like, interaction goes, um, really having a family focus. And so, like, getting to know each other in group settings and realize situations, just not just the one-on-one date yeah. where you're sitting over a meal and somebody else is preparing it just to your liking and then clearing away the dishes and you just sit there and stare into each other's eyes. <laughs> but I'm talking like make a meal together, you know, like yeah. wash the dishes, like interact with the little siblings and like just, it's been so sweet as Ben has been able to come to our household and spend time with our family, him getting to know my brothers and me going there for weekends and getting to spend time with his family. It's just been really precious. Oh, I love that. I mean, as, as a father myself, I, I like my child dating in a group. I like it to be more inter- interactive. And I also love the very simple questions you're asking. Is this a God-fearing man? I mean, that is an interesting question that if you're all caught up in the chemistry, you're not as caught up in the character. So, uh, Jim Bob, I guess you're, this, this is a big part of being a dad is turning your daughters over to these guys. How is this courtship process helping you with that? Well, something the girls have agreed to early on was that if there's a guy that, that comes up to them that's interested in them, uh, for them to kind of refer them to dad. <laughs> and I can be the no guy. <laughs> yeah. Or I can be somebody, you know, that checks them out if it is somebody that they're possibly interested in. Yeah. And, uh, and just there's kind of an evaluation period that's there. That's good. Um, but, um, but what I've done is if, if there's a guy that's interested in one of our daughters, I go to them and say, hey, uh, if they come to me first, say, you know, this guy's interested. Is this something you, um, you know, ought to pray about and to see if this is the Lord's will or not? And, mm-hmm. and so, it's, anyway, but uh, it's beautiful. Lately, we've had a couple of them that have, have said yes, and they thought this was the Lord's will, and uh, it's just amazing how the Lord's worked. Well, and I love it because you're almost kind of a guide, right? You just you guide them through the process, but it's something. I know earlier you had mentioned you called it intentional dating. Um, it's intentionally, it's a guided process, it, which I think is healthy because a lot of times we just assume our children will be mature enough to know what to do, what to ask, how to know. And yet so many times I think as parents, we're not there to kind of walk them through it. Right. We really believe it's dating with a purpose. Yeah. And so not just dating to have fun, but actually dating to get to know somebody for the purpose of future marriage. And, uh, Anyway, I, th- I think, you know, another thing is that guys are better at evaluating guys. Yeah. And girls right. are better at <laughs> evaluating girls. And yeah. So, um, and so, and of course, in our family, there's a, they get a lot of input. <laughs> somebody they're interested in, there's a lot of people jump in and say, you know, whether they think this is a good guy or not. And so um, there's a lot of eyes on them and watching their interaction with, with other people and how they handle themselves and... Uh, it's all important in the valuation process. I love it. It's like a, the the Duggars have got a really good filter going here because <laughs> you just have to run them through the gauntlet, and if they can survive the gauntlet, uh, plus you just plus it builds a relationship and it slows the process down. And again, I also love that it's so character based, um, Christian character and and Christian based versus just so chemically driven. Right, and another thing I think is so neat is um, we've got a long list of questions Mm. to get to know someone. Asking good questions will really help to spur conversation and communication. And I remember Jessa 
and Jill both early on when they were getting to know these young men, they just went down these lists of questions that they had. Maybe they'd already had a lot of them, you know, but some of them we were, you know, friends shared uh, ideas with us and we have used those questions. The girls went through them. Like Jill even said at the very beginning, she was just like, you know what? I just want to know for sure. I don't want to play any dating game at all. It's all about getting to know if this is the one that God has for me. And boy, she just drilled him and went down the list, you know, and I think it's precious because really what it was is it was a sweet time of getting to communicate and then we're all getting to know them. And it really is. They've set their own standards. Dad really encouraged them, you know, in this um, courtship relationships. They've set their standards. The couple has set it. And they've purposed to save their first kiss for their wedding day. Beautiful. Um, and they're not, you know, besides a quick side hug when they yeah. meet and, you know, and say goodbye, that's pretty that's much the, the, you know, the yeah. amount of, yeah. And it's mostly communicating and getting to know each other and then doing that in group settings. And they've always got a chaperone. They've it's amazing. They they'll have a chaperone. Well, imagine that. Isn't that so strange? Like in our culture, that's like, oh, but... How will you ever know if you don't know if the chemistry's there? Well, chemistry fades. It, you know, I mean, you can always have it, but eventually it's about are you going to work? Are you going to pray together? Are you going to serve each other? It's, it's so much more than a lot of times we make it in our culture. Right. And so Jess has a lot of good things that she has learned along the way that she would love to just express. You yeah. know, I think, Jess, it would be so neat for you to be able to share with the listeners about how you been came to the conclusions of your, you know, convictions of what you were going to set for your standards for courtship and just mm. some other things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a long time ago when us girls were 10, 11, 12, 13, just at the stage where you're starting to notice boys and it's not like... I don't know. It's just a whole mindset change there. From yeah. like, we don't want the boys around to like, oh, there's boys, you know. <laughs> Our parents encourage us girls to um, just uh, really focus our attention on serving the Lord, not to get that dating mindset at such a young age, you know, like infatuation with this guy and that guy, you know, but really to just focus on serving the Lord. But then to um, to look to look and um, create a list of what we wanted in a future spouse. You know, I want a man that is slow to anger. I want a man who loves God. I want a man who, who loves family and children. And so, like, creating a list and then turning that list back around on ourselves, not just setting a high standard for a guy, but turning that list around and looking at ourselves and examining and say, am I a hardworking person? Am I diligent? Am I patient? Yeah. And so building that character and cultivating that in our own lives. Are and you then, the right catch, too? So you're, it's not just yes, what's he going to do for me. It's what am I bringing to this? Yes, sir, very much so. And then as we've entered into this relationship, just like my mom was saying, like setting standards for ourselves. And I think uh, a very important thing is seeking God together. So when Ben and I first started talking, like our phone conversations, you know, would be like, well, you know, what did you read in your in your Bible study this morning? And we pray together. It was just so special, like creating that foundation from the beginning of focusing on God and, yeah, just a very spiritual element yeah. in the relationship that so many people lack. And so I think that's just foundational. And Exactly. And, and you're doing it so young in the relationship when, meanwhile, they're just normally out kissing and hugging and going to games and doing all these things. You're actually building a foundation, a, a pure foundation that you can build upon. I so love yeah. it, which is why I think... 
Growing Up Duggar is such an important book uh, that, again, Jill wrote it, Ginger, Jessa, and Jana were all a part of putting together a book called Growing Up Duggar. It's all about relationships. And I'd love to hear some of the some of the insight, the special things that uh, that are in the book that you have all learned. Maybe let's have um, Ginger talk about that for a minute. Ginger, what what have you learned? Like we just heard from Jessa about courtship and some powerful insight about courting. Um, what what have you learned growing up? Mm, well, I think that this book we really tried to cover um, all the relationships that um, in a girl's life. And so I think for me, like, the most important relationship that, as a young girl, um, that I had to learn to accept myself for the way that God made me. Hmm. And so um, once you can do that, then you can look beyond yourself and really just having a ministry mindset, looking for ways to serve others. Once we accept ourselves for the way God made us, um, it's just a lot easier to do that. And so accepting the girl in the mirror is definitely something that, um, every girl struggles with, and that's something so that we really tried to stress in this book. So look how beautiful that is. The first relationship would be your relationship with God and your relationship with yourself, that when you look in the mirror, you're a daughter of God, you are your special. Wow. <sighs> I'm telling you, I kind of wish I had been a Duggar. Uh, welcome to the Matt Townsend Duggar Show. Um I so appreciate it. We're going to take a break, but we're going to keep this conversation going. When we come back, you be ready, Jana. We got some questions just for you. We're talking with the Duggars and also about their book, Growing Up Duggar. It's all about the relationships. Another book, if you just go to DuggarFamily.com, is A Love That Multiplies, an up-close view of how they make it work by Michelle and Jim Bob Duggar. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're taking a break. We'll be right back. More with the Duggars right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Wonderful gift uh, on the show today, the Duggar family. If you uh, have not heard of the Duggars, where have you been TLC, the cable channel, has a wonderful show called 19 Kids and Counting. On that show are two people that are now famous, Michelle and Jim Bob Duggar, and their 19 children um, pretty much constitute the show. It is, honestly, when I watch it, it makes me anxious because I, I sit there and I think, I need to be a better dad, and I what's, what am I complaining about? In fact, if you go to the website, um, DuggarFamily.com, there's there's a blog from Jim Bob that just has some great advice for dads. Michelle has her blog as well. Some recipes, tater tot casserole, which happens to be Jim Bob Duggar's favorite, and also our executive producer, Sean O'Neill's favorite. He's like, you got to try that tater tot casserole. Um, the Duggars are trying to change uh, the influence of, of our parenting and influence of the power of a family they invoke and believe deeply in their in in God, and they feel like this is a mission and a purpose. And then they've raised nineteen beautiful children, uh, three of which are on the line with us. Jessa, Ginger, and Jana are all on the lines, and along with Jill, who's uh, no not on the line, but also co-wrote this book. They together put a book together called "Growing Up Duggar." It's all about the relationships. And um, Jana, we're going to go to you. Jana, the, the, these four girls, Jessa, Jill, Ginger, and Jana, are the oldest um, girls in the Duggar clan. 
but Jana's the very oldest. Is that right, Jana? Yes, that is correct. So you are the you are the senior daughter. You have the number one chair, and you can do anything you want. I'm assuming. Uh, not not quite, okay. but um, yeah, I have a lot of I guess more responsibility than maybe some of the younger ones and stuff. But yeah, yeah, but, it's a lot of fun having a lot of younger siblings. That's one of the things that they asked a lot on my Facebook page was. Um, What's it like, in a way, you were also, you had a lot of responsibility, and how do you think that helped you? How did you, how did that kind of condition you? What did that teach you growing up, Duggar? And is that part of the book? What have you learned as the senior Duggar sister? Oh, I definitely learned a lot from my parents. They are great examples of um, just how to um, have that right relationship with the Lord, and then um, from there, having relationship with others, and then, um, and then of course with our family, just um, they set a great example of just humbling themselves. Like if they make mistakes or have um, challenges, they will um, purpose make those things right um, as quickly as possible. And I think that it's really set um, just that example in our lives for ourselves to make sure that we have things made right and are just being accountable with one another and um, not letting the sun go down on our wrath and mm. stuff. And so, um, I'm yeah, I'm really grateful for just being able to be in this family and in this place that God is placing at being one of the older ones. And it's, uh, it's a lot of responsibility, but I also just love being able to have these younger siblings and be able to help. Um, just encourage them in the ways of the Lord and just hopefully set that good example for them just oh. like parents have. It really is. You know, it's so amazing. Uh, we, we sit and we think of all of these struggles and, I mean, all of these principles. On this show every day we teach different principles to strengthen families and grow uh, happier marriages and families. And yet I sit here and, and I hear Jana talking and I hear Ginger and I hear Jessa and I think, how do you know this? You're too young. But really, it, what I'm also hearing is like the Bible and and the spirit of, of love and the spirit, uh, just, I guess, of God being taught. Is that what I'm hearing, Jim, Bob, and Michelle? Yes. From a t- young age, um, we really try to teach our children the Bible principles, and that the Bible is a book that practically applies to everyday decisions. And in, in the Bible, we really consider it the owner's manual for our lives, and in it contains all the answers to life's questions. Mm. And, so, um, and so the children uh, read the Bible for themselves, and then plus uh, each evening our goal is to have Bible time where we sit around and we, we read some Scripture, and then we talk about how it applies. And a lot of times I'll tell a story of something happened that day, or one of the kids will, or Mama will. And, and then we also have a time of praise reports and prayer requests, where uh, a lot of times it's like uh, praising one of the kids that, like, Jana made supper tonight, you know, and we'll all cheer and clap and thank that person that's for great. making supper. Yeah. Uh, but what we do also, if there's somebody that's done something wrong, now we don't bring that up in front of everybody. So we, we talk to them individually. That's beautiful. But we praise publicly, and then that multiplies the, the praise. What a, and what a wonderful principle. And yet, yeah, you could, you probably, you just see it in their face. If you praise it, you're going to get more of it. And if you ridicule people, you're just going to drive them away. 
Exactly. And, you know, none of us like to be around people who are critical and negative all the time. Right. And so, and you know, there's a time that we have to get on one of them, an attitude or something they've done wrong. But we take them aside privately and talk one-on-one. Yeah. And, uh, but then when we see them do the good things, hey, I appreciate you taking out the trash without even being asked. That showed a lot of initiative. The more we praise their character, the more good character they yeah. want to have. And so, and it draws them closer to the Lord and, and really helps them become a better person. Again, universal principles, and then you can easily tie it to your, your God and your faith. And, um, and let's do this. I just have some questions from Facebook that I know people would love answered. I myself, um, does, and I guess let's just go in order. Maybe, Michelle, you can start. Do you, do you miss a time, um, th- maybe the simplicity of your life before the cameras? Okay. She stepped out and did, oh, did she? Minute, but I will yeah, go ahead, talk Jim about Bob. that real quick. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, before we had cameras, I guess, actually, I was involved in politics. I was a state representative for a couple terms. Okay. And so... It wasn't so simple then. Starting in, I, got, I got elected in 98. So that actually was, at, when I was trying to stand for what was right back then, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times, you know, the media and different ones don't like that. And so we really just had to give a reputation to God. And we really felt like that just not worry about what other people thought of us, but our goal is to please God individually and as a family. Yeah. And so that was great preparation for when I ran for U.S. Senate in 02 and lost the race, but that's really kind of how the media found out about our family, and shortly after that they asked us to do the first show. Interesting. 14 children. Yeah. It's called 14 Children Pregnant Again. It was like <laughs> 10 years ago. And, uh, and so we agreed to do that, and we told them we would do the show as long as you don't edit out our faith, because we said our faith is the core of our lives, and if you edit it out, you're really not telling the whole story. That's right. Well, yeah, so how can you? Back, yeah. yeah, so they came back and, and, and did another show and another show, and the show ended up becoming really popular, and now, you know, ten and a half years later, it's, it's still going strong. Uh, matter of fact, the ratings are higher than ever. Yeah. So, well, I mean, but, but, which is amazing because there, there are so many, you know, issues about other shows, right? And Yet you guys, you just stick to these very basic principles, and and I think what's neat about it is it works, right? And every even though right. again they might be looking in because it seems strange when you when you get in and see it, there is an incredible piece that you can see inside the house. Well, and a lot of the things people are seeing are just old fashioned Bible principles yep. that work that the world has kind of gotten away from, yep. and it's interesting, like courtship. People think this is so bizarre and so strange, oh. but really, this is the way, is the way it was. used to do it That's 60, right. 70 years ago. That's right. No, and, I think it's, so yeah. it's not that old, right? It's really not. Now, really, modern dating, just going alone with somebody that you're not married to and spending time alone and getting in trouble— that is really something that's happened in the last 50 years. That's new. And, and interestingly, it doesn't seem to pay the dividends, right? It doesn't seem well, to pay the, the same know, dividend. It leads to a lot of stuff that's, that's not good. And so, yeah. But anyway, I think, uh, you know, I think the accountability when a couple is together, you know, they will probably act differently when they're with other people than when they're alone. You bet. No, you and bet. And so it's been something really great for our, our kids to get to know somebody as, as a, in a group setting. And then, of course, they can pair off a little bit and be kind of a distance away and get to talk, but yet they're not completely alone. And a lot yeah. of times they'll go out on a date or something, have one of the younger brothers or sisters as a chaperone, and, you know, it's kind of funny somewhat, but they, they do, you know, it's, it's also the chaperone, one of the brothers or sisters gets to know them also. Well, plus they get to see what dating is like, and they get to, I mean, it's a, it's a great, like, hand-me-down lesson in dating. <laughs> 
And exactly. I mean, or uh, not dating in courtship, but in getting to yes. know another human being. Exactly. It's brilliant. So what, Michelle t- has made it back now. Oh, has she? Michelle, yeah, answer this question, because this is one that I know uh, has been asked two or three times. How do we handle shower time? Huh. Well, I mean, um, and by the way, all the schedules you have like what four bathrooms in the house or something. How do you how do you just right. handle the schedules and the showers and keep it well, all straight? One of my favorite resources, and we list a lot of these things on our website just because it's been encouraging for our family, and so many have shared ideas with us, and so we're passing on that encouragement. But Managers of Their Homes is one of my favorite books because I'm not an organizer by nature. And I used that early on, and it helped me so much. But we only had, you know, like uh, two bathrooms for the longest time. And we would do baths at night before bedtime for some, and then baths in the morning before we had to get started with the day. And we would divide them up, and we only had so much hot water, so we had to plan (laughs) so many minutes of, you know, this one gets a shower, and then we wait a few minutes, and then the next one gets a bath. Oh, wow. And, but and it you works. just learned. It yeah. did. And it does. And I think with scheduling, it's the same way. And I think, you know, you can organize your life as much as possible, but then you have to realize that you learn flexibility, especially with children. Yeah. Because for them, everything is urgent. If they're <laughs> under the age of six, there's yep. not anything that's not urgent. That's right. And so I was, while we're having the interview, I was mothering and yep. needing to be a mommy as well. <laughs> well and so and I you... just realized You've got to be flexible, and yet making a schedule is very important. And I think it helps the children to have that schedule and stability in life, just knowing this is what we typically will try to do every day. And And it makes it predictable, and they can anticipate it, and it can adjust. We can change. Exactly. And I think doing it with joy, because I think our children, we need to be mamas. We are the ones that set the mood for our home. We have to choose joy because some days, it, you know, I've heard it said, Grandma Duggar said this many times, you know, happiness comes from happenings, but real joy comes from walking with Jesus. Mm. And when we're walking with Jesus and we are letting that be known in our home, our children in turn are going to want to walk with Jesus. But if we walk around with a frown on our face and we're always grumpy and we're fussing at our kids all the time, we need to choose joy, mamas, so that our children will enjoy being in this. It's supposed to be a haven and a place of refuge away from the world. So there are so many benefits that we will find um, just by doing that. And then also one thing we've chosen to do is homeschool our kids. We purposed early on to just spend a lot of time with them day in and day out because we wanted to teach them what was most important was, number one, to love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then number two, to love others and to look for ways to serve them. And for us, that's been one of the best decisions we've ever made. We realized early on we're responsible for every influence that we allow in their lives. And so by doing, you know, these things to protect our children in the sense of being careful what books we put in front of them, being careful what you know, things we allow them to view. Um, and so we're really careful about broadcast television and different things like that. And the Internet, we always have, I've got the password, and my Smart. older daughters do. And, you know, there's just those things yeah. you have to protect. You don't want to put 
you know, a tiny little plant out in the, you know, the bad weather until it's strong enough to be able to endure it, you know. And so it's kind of like that with our children. We really need to be careful what yeah. influences we allow in their lives. What, um, we, have, we have time for about one more question. Oh, I so want every Duggar. I I don't. How could we ever do a call with nineteen Duggars plus two, twenty one Duggars? Um, here's here's I guess one more question, and um, and maybe we have to kind of make it a one or two word answer, and then let's just hear from everybody. What is the one thing that you learned being Duggar or growing up Duggar for the kids? Being Duggar, and, and we kind of always wrap up the show with what's the one thing that makes the biggest difference? Um, what's the one thing that any of our guests would always just tell us? What's the one thing that we really need to remember? What would you all say you're most grateful for mm. being Duggar? This is Ginger, and I have to say that the one thing I think that's had the biggest impact in my life is um, just being our parents always encouraging us to come and talk to them when we're struggling and just knowing that we have a safe place to share. And they're very intentional about just like, hey, how are you doing and what's going on Beautiful. in your heart? Really just asking us about what um, is in our heart. And that has made the biggest difference. And I think most of us could say that had the biggest impact. Yeah. Um, well, which is such life. it's such a great thing, Ginger, because some would say, man, it's got to be hard growing up that you, you might not get the attention you normally get. But as you're saying, having a safe place and a parent you can always go to. Yes, sir. Who, wa- who else? Uh, Jana, do you want to go? Yes. Um, I'd say just my parents pointing us in the direction of really taking time to spend alone with the Lord um, has been something that I just really am grateful for. And I know that it's and is just vital to our everyday life and making not just like okay i hope sometime i'll be able to fit that in but actually scheduling it in and just being like you know what i'm going to spend this time with god and just realizing that that's the most important thing and if you don't get anything else done in the day get that um, make sure that you get that in make that a priority beautiful jana beautiful okay let's go to jessa jessa in the middle of courtship too what uh, what's your greatest lesson your thing you're most grateful for for growing up duggar did we lose jessa did jessa we oh we lost we her. no i'm here oh there you go you I'm here. did you hear the yeah, question sorry. jessa Yes, yes, sir. So I think the most thing I'm grateful for is my parents um, encouraging us to really have an outward focus, a ministry mindset, a servant's heart, to look outside of ourselves. Um, first off, you know, that, that servant's attitude being, being cultivated within the family and serving each other, but then going out into the community, into the state, into to the world. Yeah. Really, and going, like we've had opportunities to go on mission trips, like as sibling groups. And then just in our own community, helping out in soup kitchens, going to nursing homes, um, getting involved in the volunteer fire department. Hmm. I think that's been something that's really made an impact on my life, just seeing my parents, um, not just them saying, y'all go do this, but them leading the way and yeah. leading that way and us following in their footsteps and just trying to make a difference in the world. I love it. Even this interview, you know, it's we didn't know which Duggar we could get, but we're so grateful that... Mom and dad felt it was so important that we get as many of the daughters as we can as well. Well done and beautifully, beautifully said there, Jessa. Let's go to mom and dad. Mom and dad, what would you say? What, what's the greatest blessing, the greatest lesson raising and being the Duggars? Well, I tell you what, it's, it's so special having all these kids. But, you know, I think I told Michelle early on in Proverbs 31, it talks about the virtuous woman. And it talks about her doing all this work and being so diligent 
And then it says, she shall rejoice in time to come. And you know when you're busy with a whole bunch of little ones and you're changing the diapers and you're doing all the stuff and buckling up the car seats, you think those days will never end. Yeah. But now majority of our kids are old enough to where they are becoming godly young people and men and women, and they're such a blessing. And there really is no greater joy than my children walking in truth. Oh, so true, isn't it? So beautiful, Jim Bob. Michelle? Yep. Bring it home, Mama. Mama Duggar. I would just say that I am just so thankful that, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is in the center of our life individually and then in our marriage relationship from the very beginning. um, We both have, have just asked the Lord to please use us in any way that He saw fit and for Him to give us 19 precious gifts, that is just above and beyond what we could have ever asked Mm. or thought. And we are so grateful for each one. And so I think as we have just desired to learn each day um, what it means to walk with the Lord, um, we have failed so many times miserably. (laughs) Everyone, yeah. We have learned as we've gone along by God's grace and through His Word. And it's been such a joy. And so I think in that, just that walk with the Lord, just keeping our heart turned toward God and being in the Word and then encouraging each other along the way. I think that's what it's about. God says, encourage one another and build each other up. And it's a joy now that our kids are encouraging us and and we're doing it together. Well, And honestly, and encouraging us and our listeners, we so appreciate you, Michelle. Jim Bob, Jessa, Ginger, Jana, and Jill's writing on the book. We wish you all the best. And uh, just know, you are. Your mission is impacting lives. Everybody, go look at the Duggar family. Go check their website, DuggarFamily.com. Check out their books. They have so much to offer. And notice that there is a, sweet, a very sweet piece that, uh, that you can feel as you see a family loving one another, being with one another, and uh, and then thanking their God for the great gifts of children. To the Duggars, we thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. More on the Matt Townsend Show. Boy, so much to learn, so much to take in. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back on BYU Radio. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Today we're talking families just finished with the Duggars. How cool is that? They're the real deal, the real the real shebang. I don't know if that's a word. You just made it a word. Shebang. Shebang. That, that was a song. Yeah. Hey, um... But we've got in, in-house in right now with us Michael Pond, who is – we're going to take this in a very interesting direction. Michael has interviewed somebody, uh, Dr. Alex Jensen from Purdue University, about favoritism of children. So imagine if you're the Duggars and you have 19 children. What if you had favorites? Like, oh, I love number seven. Number seven's amazing. How do you think that affects the other kids? Sure. I mean, there's been scientific studies about that, and that's what I talked about with Alex. So you sat him down, and you just basically asked, what are the, what, what are the issues? What's the impact of favoritism and, and how you differentiate your children? And he, using science, explained to me what he found out. Let's listen. 
Welcome, Alex. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about the study? Yeah. So as you mentioned, we were interested in studying differential treatment, um, or at least that's the, the research term, or parental favoritism with these young adult siblings. Um, nobody had done that before, so that was kind of novel. Um, but then, like you mentioned, we tackled this idea of um, if you're the favorite child or the less favorite child in the family, is that different than the amount of favoritism or discrepant treatment that the parents are showing? Um, the reason we wanted to, to look at that is past research and theory is a little bit conflicting. Uh, there's some research that suggests um, that favored children are going to fare better. Um, so if you look at some sort of outcome like depressive symptoms, a child who is more favored by their parents is going to be less depressed. Um, and a child who, or in this case, an adult child who is less favored by their parents will be more depressed. Um, but then some other research suggests that when there's just a larger amount of discrepant treatment from the parents, that both siblings will be more depressed. So there's kind of that, that conflict in the research um, and we wanted to, to tackle those two approaches or those two uh, um, ideas about parental favoritism. This is something I've always been interested in because in my family, I, I have one younger brother, and it seemed mm -hmm. like uh, you, we're about three years apart, and so uh, he's kind of the, the baby of the family. And whenever we'd play a yeah. board game like Monopoly or something, I mean, we'd always let him win. And, and it seemed like that, <laughs> that uh, treatment carried on. Uh, until yeah. uh, you know adulthood now, and uh, I, I've always been you know is that that's, that's kind of a Western thing. I mean, culture Western culture generally encourages parents to treat their children equally, but that doesn't exactly. usually happen. Yeah. You know, as we see, is it you know is it okay to treat your kids differently? That that's a really hard question to answer. Um, well, maybe not to answer, but to completely grasp. Right. The easy answer is yes, it's okay to treat your kids differently, and maybe you should. Um, so a good example, straying away from the adulthood topic here, is I was at a conference recently and talking about this with some researchers, and one of them said, yeah, I have this friend, and she has two kids. And they're pretty close in age, but the one child has some pretty severe physical issues um, and can't go outside to play. It's not healthy for them. Um, and the parents are so concerned about treating their kids the same and treating them equally that they don't let the non-disabled child go out to play. They keep them inside um, to the point that it's now starting to cause some health issues for the non-disabled child. Um, so, you know, that's an extreme example, but, you know, teaching or treating those kids exactly the same is not healthy. Really right. for either of them. Um, you know, and, and you take like you and your brother, even if there's not those extreme differences, there are going to be differences in personality. There's going to be differences in temperament um, that really necessitate. The parents do need to treat their children differently. Um, the question then becomes what's appropriate in treating your kids different and when does it become unhealthy? Unfortunately, that we don't have the answers to. Maybe if you interview me in another 15 years, I might know those answers. But at the moment, we don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, I was going to ask you that. I mean, if me and my brother, you know, 
we don't have it's not an extreme situation but it looks like this is a case by case thing that you need to really take a look at your family and see um you know should i try to treat my kids the same or should i treat them differently and and you know it looks like your study shows are our parents aware that they're treating their kids differently is this something that we're conscious of or does it just automatically happen yeah and that's a really good question that the empirically we don't really have the answer to um, a solid answer. Mm-hmm. I, I would think in a lot of cases, um, parents know they're treating their kids differently, um, whether they're willing to admit it or not. Um, but I, I would want to think too that parents, at least some parents wouldn't know the extent to which they're treating their kids differently. And maybe they don't know whether that's appropriate or not. I think that's probably a question a lot of parents have is, okay, if I am treating my kids different, you know, is it that appropriate differences or is it not? Yeah, that's a very uh, personal question. uh, It is, yeah. Within the family. And do you see, were you able to see a a trend as far as who parents uh, tend to favor? Yeah, in in this study, to, to some degree we did. And it was a little um, unexpected, maybe is the right word to use. So there's some research that would suggest that fathers are going to favor sons and mothers are going to favor daughters. Um, In this study, we didn't quite get at that. But we saw that mothers were tending to favor their children who actually needed help. Um, And maybe that's a different... Um, thing than we think of favoritism. You think of favoritism as you know having a negative impact on the child, but with these young adults, those who were more depressed um, were more likely to get support from their mothers. With fathers, it was the other way around. Um, that those who were less depressed were getting the more support, or they were favored by their fathers. Um, so maybe fathers tend to favor their kids who don't need as much care and attention, um, and maybe mothers are more concerned about helping their children that really need that help. And that that uh, brings to mind in in the uh, journal, there's this uh, verbiage that differential treatment and favoritism, um, and we're, yeah. we were talking about favoritism right now. But is there a is there a difference between those? Are they the same thing? Differential treatment versus favoritism. That's a good question. <laughs> that will vary. Research-wise, that will depend on the researcher that you talk to. Um, some will tell you they're the same thing, and some will tell you they're very different things. Um, I, I would say they're kind of the same thing, but if you want to make, make a distinction, favoritism may be more a child's interpretation, um, the way they feel about it. More attention, maybe? Uh, more possibly attention, or or it could be on other uh, domains like conflict or um, privileges. But if the child feels like they are not getting as good of treatment, maybe you could label that favoritism. Whereas if you talk about bedtimes, um, you know, one child is 15 and the other child is five, and you send the five-year-old to bed before you send the 15-year-old to bed. And maybe that's not favoritism, but it's certainly differential treatment because you're treating them differently. Maybe that's uh, just fairness. Uh, is there a distinction between favoritism and fairness? Yeah, that 
I think that comes at the child level too. Um, so there's some interesting research by uh, two researchers named Amanda Cole and Lori Kramer um, that were kind of looking at differential treatments. So say those two, the five-year-old and the 15-year-old, and they get sent to bed at a different time. But then they also asked the siblings, is that treatment fair? Um, so fairness and differential treatment actually are separate things because um, maybe they could be treated the same, but one child doesn't see that as fair, or they could be treated differently and they see it as fair. Uh, so what they found was that if parents are treating their kids differently, but the siblings see that as fair, then it doesn't matter. Then treating them differently actually may be appropriate. Um, is maybe another way to think of that. But if they are treating them differently and the children don't see that as fair, that's when they were running into a lot of issues, uh, when the, the less favored children were having poorer behavior um, and favored children actually were having better behavior. And I think why, why researchers label it as differential treatment, or at least tend to more than favoritism, um, is because favoritism is very subjective. How do you really measure if somebody is the favorite? Um, whereas differences in treatment is much easier to quantify, it's easier to, to at least talk about from a research perspective. But on the parents' level, um, I, I think that's important too. Uh, thinking about, you know, favoritism isn't just about do I love one child more than the other? Um, or maybe that is what favoritism is, but differential treatment really isn't just about love. It's about differences in treatment, whether that be bedtimes, whether that be um, privileges, whether that be you love one child more than the other. That could be spending more time with one child than the other. Um, it could be investing more money in one child than the other. And again, that isn't inherently bad. Um, the parent just needs to think about whether it really is appropriate or not. Wow. In fact, interesting interview. Yeah, it was great talking to him. It's, it's interesting. As a parent, I, I don't. I don't have favorites, I don't think. But but he his questions are very I think impactful because you do see them differently. You see one child differently than you do and so that just might be age yeah. or whatever. And it's not about uh love, you know, it's about how you're treating your children differently. Mm -hmm. So it's not about a favorite, but how what kind of privileges or how you're treating your children differently. Well, and I think it's important for any parent that's listening because I see this a lot when people blend families and do co-parents and, and they're trying to, to not show favoritism. But your children versus their children, it creates problems. I guess in the end, the big lesson from Dr. Jensen is be careful. Know what you're doing. Pay attention. Be ask, aware. Be aware. Ask yourself the questions as a parent and make sure that you're, you're distinguishing why you're letting one go to bed at a different time. And don't don't fall into the favorites syndrome. You can't have favorites. No, that that's bad for everybody. Mm. Sad, uh, but good. Uh, so again, great lesson. Well done, Michael. Thank you. Piece of cake. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we've got the uh, an expert in the house. Dr. Paul Jenkins is here. He's going to teach us about stress. How you don't have to stress through parenting. It might simply be about changing how you see the situation. This is the Matt Townsend Moore right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about keeping up with the family, just kind of trying to survive and understand and better, you know, understand our families. Not survive, like the Duggars say, thrive, embrace it, see 
our family is a gift uh, from God, not somebody we quickly want to return to God as soon as we get a chance. Such a such an important thing. And so we decided to bring on the, the Ph.D. expert today. Dr. Paul Jenkins is uh, joining us. He has, by the way, a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. He is he's the real deal. He's the author of Pathological Positivity. Go to his website, drpauljenkins.com, where he has a blog or a, a podcast, Live on Purpose Radio. Radio which I've been on and is fantastic. Not because I've been on it, but it's fantastic how you do that. That was a very popular episode, yeah. man. It was it really. I think it's because of all of your raving fans. Well, it, yeah, six of them. And here's mm-hmm. the other reason. Yeah, I your mom signed on. Did she too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a great lady. Uh, you know, she's dating Mike. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Mike Pond and my mother are dating. Anyway, um, I don't want to get there because so- he someday I'll have to call him father. Which Mike is speaks Finnish too, which is something I really like I about him. Hey, how come? See, in our radio show, we just do it here in the studio, but in mm-hmm. your radio sh- show, we had to do it in the restroom, the men's restroom. Right? Is that just for reverb? Yeah, it's the acoustics okay. of the whole place. Yeah, you can't get enough acoustics. Matt, I'm a closet podcaster. You are. But yeah, actually, you noticed restroom. my podcast was in the closet. It was really, it, it, actually, it wasn't it, the it, restroom, Matt. It, but you really, you do a great closet. job. And so I'm glad you're here on the show today. Thank you. Glad to be back. How many children do you have, Paul? I have four. Now, when you and think counting, when you think, <laughs> I've got my first grandbaby coming. Oh, do you really? Yeah. See in that, August. That's amazing. So we're moving into that phase. Yeah. Four and counting. Um, when you think of the Duggars, uh, nineteen and counting, and they yeah. they were going for twenty, and they they lost one. Mm. Uh, they've actually had a few miscarriages, and mm-hmm. um, but a lot of people think, and I even think it. I have six, and six mm. it stresses me out. So even when I watch their show, I was saying earlier that I actually feel stress. There's certain yeah. shows I have a hard time watching because I kind of live them. Yeah, right. And so I don't have 19 kids, but that's I, I actually love watching their show. Um, but then there's other shows like shows about hoarders and those mm-hmm. shows I can't watch because mm-hmm. some of these are my clients or some of these are people that or I – you can relate just yeah, a little too uh-huh. much. Huh? Or any show where the couples mm-hmm. are fighting and arguing a lot. So teach us children and families. They are stressful, but hmm. – or are they? Well, interesting. Hmm. And is 19 a lot? Well, you know, not according to some biblical prophets who used to have hundreds. Yeah. So, Matt, I stand six foot two. Yeah. Am I a tall man? Um, you are tall in, rel- in relation to me. I stand 5'11". Five, five, and you're 5'11". So at our National Speakers mm-hmm. Association meeting uh, about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I got my picture taken with Mark Eaton. Yeah. Now that's tall. Okay, now Mark is seven foot four. Yeah. I barely. Yeah, you're not tall. I barely clear his shoulder. Okay. Yeah. There are a few people I look up to in this life as yeah. much as Mark Eaton. Yeah. At seven foot four. So am I a tall man? Well, it depends on who you compare me to. So true. Relative to. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to what? Yeah. So is 19 a big number? Well, compared to, compared to six smaller or fours, numbers. Uh, yeah. yeah. Compared to bigger numbers, not so much. Right. But we get it in our mind. See, we have this expectation mm-hmm. that, oh, that's a big number. That's supposed to be hard. That's supposed to be stressful. And 
the Duggars are experiencing something that most of us don't. Yeah. How do we know if right. it's harder or easier? We don't know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. And so I guess we take we just see their lives and well, but they're yeah. But again, too, it it's you're saying it's relative to you. So really, the stress may not be. It might not be more stressful. It might be what you're thinking is stressful. Exactly. And, you know, stress has kind of a bad rap. There's a recent TED Talk. Okay. If you go to TED.com and look up Kelly McGonagall. Uh-huh. Sounds like somebody from Harry Potter. Yeah, it does. But, Professor <laughs> McGonagall. But Dr. McGonagall did a an apology, really, in her address, in her TED Talk. She said, I need to apologize for a whole career of bad-mouthing stress. Oh, really? And that got my attention. I'm like, yeah. what? What's what going on here? Don't be sad. Because we all know that stress is bad for you, right? Yeah. Or is it? Maybe it's not. So they've done these studies. Yeah. And the research shows that stress is only bad for you. When you believe that it's bad for you. Oh, in, yeah. Interesting. Really? So it's, it's yeah. more... Well, and they were correlating with health, uh-huh. even with death rates. Okay. If you don't feel what you're going through is stressful or don't see it that way, it's less of an impact on you. Well, it's not that you, you don't see it as stressful. It's that you don't believe that stress is bad for you. Okay. You have a different yeah. take on it. Yeah. Okay, so this feeling that I'm having that I that I interpret as stress yep. is my body preparing me for some kind of performance, some situation. For yeah, some response that is necessary. Huh. For an adaptive. So yeah. if you see it as an adaptive response, a normal adaptive response that your body has, right. It then the correlations with negative outcomes just go out the window. It's it, that actually makes sense because every morning I climb on a treadmill, mm-hmm. and for forty-eight long, grueling mm. minutes, I stress my body. You induce stress. I induce stress at a ten at a ten incline, which I don't know what that means, but at a four mile an hour walk, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, at a four and a ten are my numbers. That's all I know. Yeah. But it's very stressful. Uh, and, and I actually still think this is stressful, mm. and it kills me. And my wife's like, she's been doing it for years. It's, it's not, no big this deal. This is good. Right. It's good. But I come out, and I know it's stressful because I come out wet, <laughs> sweaty, and exhausted, and yeah. my legs are tired. And it's – so that too could be healthy and yeah. not necessarily a problem. We can condition ourselves – to think or believe something that is very different from what we're used to. And it's kind of like, I I like your example of exercise, Matt, because here's a a way that we intentionally induce stress on our body, but we believe that stress to be beneficial. Oh, yeah. And it is, as long as we believe that. But then, I mean, that's what I always look at, like, the marathoners. Mm -hmm. They're all thinking it's so great. But in my head, I'm thinking, you can't have your knees banging that hard, that long, without eventually needing new knees. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, see, I think, don't tell anyone, but that's where I think the marathoner is off. They just don't get it. See, they think it's not bad for them, but Mm -hmm. they're going to find out it's bad for them. If God wanted us to be marathoners, he wouldn't have given us cars. My my son is a running fool. Is he, he? He's our Forrest Gump. Is he? Is he? <laughs> yeah. 
and run for us. And he he's kind of inspired me to start doing a little bit of running. And so I started going out to do some trail runs in some of the foothills around mm-hmm. around where we live. And it's hard. Oh. I mean, running up a mountain. Oh, it's crazy. Come on. Yeah. And my legs are burning and uh-huh. my lungs are burning and it's just hard. And I'm inducing all this stress. But you actually did it voluntarily. Like if you had a bear, if you had a bear behind you or a mountain lion, uh-huh. I get that. Run. But you probably shouldn't. Right. You I actually did run into a bighorn sheep up there, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but the, the point is in, in inducing all of that stress in my body, we do this with exercise all the time. Yeah. I, I went out with him last Saturday and we ran a 5K. And we both won. Did you really? Yeah. You, you won in your division. He won the thing outright. I mean, Did nobody really? was even close to him. Yeah. I I told you he's a running fool. Well, I know, but running fool versus Well, you second know, place winner. was like two minutes behind him. I mean, this is the level this yeah. kid's running. But for kid, I mean, he's 22. Yeah, still. But I won the old man's division, 40 to 49. Well, well that's like the wheelchairs. I was a mile behind that's him, but walkers. I won that division. Did you really? Yeah. Now, and I noticed good? while I was out there running that because I had changed the way I think about that stress on my body, that I was able to put myself in a position where I performed at a much higher level than I ever expected to. Yeah. That's and that's powerful. That's, that's real. what we're talking about. So stress is – now, do you think – It's any, about perception. Can anyone change the perception of it and can any stress be perceived better? That makes sense. So the death uh-huh. of somebody would create stress. Sure. Stress. By the way, that stress should be normal. Somebody has died that you you care for. Absolutely. Is that something we should try to change our paradigm about? Or should we just allow some stress to just well, be— Well, what if we were to ask the question, why would you do that? Why would you do— Why would you change your paradigm? To feel better. Exactly. That's why I would change it. Is yeah. that enough reason? Yeah. So right yeah. there, by the way, in fact, it's interesting how many times the Duggars, not interesting, but powerful, how many times they invoke God. Mm-hmm. So their paradigm is that this is a godly mission. This right. isn't a self-destructive behavior no. of being destroyed by children. This it's is a, a journey of joy for them. It's about, yeah. That's driven by mission and purpose. And what kind of feeling does that bring into their life? So, yeah. Whereas you power. can look at this and think, 19 kids? Oh, my gosh, that would yeah. drive me nuts. Yeah. But see, I don't have that mission, that purpose. But I could. Right. You could. Well, and even when you just talked about grandparenting, I thought, I got to get that mission. Mm. We're going to take a break. We're talking with okay. Dr. Paul Jenkins. Go to his website, drjenkins.com. He's got a book coming out. Is it out yet? It's right away. It's getting so close. It's so close. Pathological Positivity. We're learning about uh, how to maybe de-stress by finding a better purpose. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about keeping up with the family, not letting the wave overwhelm us, not uh, not letting our families be the the main source of our stress and getting us down. We've we've talked earlier to the Duggars, uh, the wonderful family, nineteen kids and counting, wonderful lessons there. And we thought, hey, let's bring in the psychologist to kind of walk us through some of the keys 
to uh, keeping up with the family, not being you know overtaken by the stress of it all. Dr. Paul Jenkins is joining us from drpauljenkins.com, and uh, he's a clinical psychologist, Ph.D., that's the doctor. He's a real doctor, unlike James, the board operator, who is a doctor with a K, doctor of passion. That's a real doctor. A hmm. real fake doctor. <laughs> he thinks he's a real doctor. He's real. I, I have see a him through the window. Man. Yep. He's great. He really, Don't tell him he's not a real doctor, but <laughs> he's not a real doctor. Um, pa, you wrote the book. You're almost done with it. I mean, it's books are hard because even when you're done, it doesn't mean you're done. They're, exactly. And it's like Rabbit said on Winnie the Pooh. Oh, really? I, let's hear the quote. I, I, it always takes longer than you think. <laughs> <laughs> you're, right. you're quoting Winnie the Pooh. Well, it was, was that, rabbit. Was that a yeah. well, you're quoting rabbit? Was that chi- a child book you read to your children? Is that? It's, you know what? I heard that phrase so many times as my kids played the video over and <laughs> over and and it over. stuck. It stuck in. Yeah, you've been talking yeah. with us about a TED talk um, from psychologist Kelly McConnell McConnell mm-hmm. about stress mm-hmm. that it, that stress isn't necessarily the harmful thing. It's more how you perceive the stress. Right. Exactly. Teach us more. What do you mean perception of stress? I mean, because stress is stress. It seems like if I'm sweating, I'm feeling stress. Yeah. Well, life is hard. It should be, huh? Have you noticed? You know, I didn't get the memo, but yeah. Yeah. And, And that is true for everyone. So you think about having children, for example, while we're talking about the Duggars. Um. It's hard to have a child, true? Yeah. One, I mean, one is hard. One child right. is hard. And would you, also, would you also agree that that one child is a blessing? Oh, enormous. Huge. Uh, a life-changing, mood-altering yeah. blessing yeah. in your life. Deepening, and, enriching. And you wouldn't send them back. Mm-hmm. Why would you feel any differently about number 19? Right. It's true. And I, I discovered this when I had my second child— I I had this first early parent, um, I call it stinking thinking sometimes, you yeah, know, when yeah. when you just run with a belief and you don't even know that you're doing it until yeah. you look at it later on. And then you run into a wall. And I'm thinking, sure. oh my gosh, second kid's on the way. Could I possibly love him as much. as much as the first? Yeah. And then he shows up and it's like, duh. For sure. And not only do yeah. I love him as much, I love the other one even more because mm-hmm. my capacity to love has increased. Yeah. So you listen to these good parents talking about their large family, and how many times did they use the word blessing? Oh, man. I mean, that's what's so cool about it is that's the paradigm, huh? That's what you're talking about. Yeah. It, it's not a stressor if you see it in a, in a different – in a non-stressing vision, paradigm. View. Right. Do you see it as a blessing or as a burden? A curse, yeah. I mean, how many times has somebody gotten pregnant and it's a curse? Mm-hmm. And it literally, they feel... Exactly. Uh, or they've lost a child and they feel... I mean, that's a major stressful event. Or they've mm-hmm. lost... Uh, they've miscarried or they can't get pregnant. There's a whole other side of this. And each one of these are stressors. Yes. And the, I have interviewed several people on my show, Matt, where they've gone through a devastating... In, in every way that we define that word, life experience, including quadriplegia mm. or the abduction and death of their children, uh, uh, heavy, yeah. heavy stuff, yeah. right? right? And one of my show guests put it this way. He said, you can get bitter or you can get better. Mm. 
And that depends on your perception yeah. and a, a choice, really. It's you get so to choose true. how you're going to look at this. And um, we've talked about this even recently on the show that that doesn't mean the choice you just make once. No. Because you can easily go from bitter thought to better thought to bitter thought to better thought mm-hmm. all in you know five minutes. Oh, and it reboots all the time yeah. because we're constantly encountering discontent. Yeah. Which is another take on stress, actually. Stress is an indicator that you're experiencing some level of discontent, mm. which is not bad news because it's discontent that moves us toward the upgrade. So the, so you almost need the uh, the indicator, the edge to say, oh, hey, yeah, you need to move on, move along. It's like yeah. the nudge. You need – it's like the parent that kind of <laughs> nudges her child into the kindergarten room. There you yeah. go. Move along. There you go. Push them right out of the nest. <laughs> it's true, though. But so, yeah. so interesting thing about stress, if you're feeling it in your life, A, don't just believe it. Don't just, oh, my well, life is horrible. I am cursed. First of all, welcome to Earth. That's yeah. how we roll yeah. here. You're <laughs> going to have some of that. Yeah. And, and then take a look. Be more conscious and aware of how you are interpreting the stress. In your life, is this good for me? Is this bad for me? Is it what's it, what is this stress telling me? Oh, it's yeah. telling because if you go down one road, it's telling you you had too many kids, life is too hard, it's never going to work out. You're a horrible mother, or it's telling you maybe we need some changes. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to learn some things. Maybe we need to increase our capacity. Yeah, maybe we Do- need to look for the blessings. Doctor McGonagall's talk. It, the whole theme was make friends with stress. Hmm. Make friends with it. You're going to have it. Tim Hansel put it this way. He he said, pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. That's such a good quote. Beautifully yeah. said. Yeah. But make friends with stress. Pain, I mean, discontent, whatever it is. Because you know? it's going to take you to a different level. Yeah. And so you're not going to always run from it. You're not always going to avoid. Some of us think a good, healthy life is stress-free. Hmm. Interesting. To me, that means you're – okay, you're just going to get fat. Well, look at it um, from a perspective of pain, for example. There's some children who are born with a condition called congenital analgesia. Hmm. It's where they have no appreciation or perception of pain. Oh, okay, and you think a life That's without pain—that would right? be awesome. How right? perfect is that? How, uh, no. Yeah, sign me up, honey. For that. Yeah, get your hand off the burner. These kids have a much higher incident of injury. Oh, I'm sure, and they, sometimes fatality oh. due to the injury because they don't pick up on the pain. Mm. They don't have that precious signal telling them move. Yeah, stop. Change. Yeah. Do something different. It's a natural feedback our body has. We have to have it. It's our friend. That is – that's interesting. And yet so much of our lives – I guess this is part of being a natural kind of man, a human being, is mm-hmm. pain avoidance. Yeah. So, so we, we become pleasure seekers, pain avoiders. But maybe what we ought to do is – I mean, and I've even seen it. I remember vividly in my first public speaking class feeling – I knowing I had to do like ten speeches in the sem- in the semester, mm-hmm. and thinking, oh man, and I started feeling stress. I was a freshman in college, and I decided embrace it. 
just as soon as I can just start embracing that fear. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I don't have it like I used to have it. Now I I used to right then I'd always volunteer to be first. So I'd go yeah. get my speech ready. And I was just as afraid as everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I thought, I don't want to sit here for an hour feeling this. So bam, do it. Bam, do it. Every time somebody – if you know that you're going to have to – you know, sometimes in a church setting, they'll say, we'd like all, all of the youth to share their feelings about this event. Yeah. And you know it's going to come around the circle. Yeah, it's so coming So I'm like, to okay, you. let's get I'm this up. going. But it, yeah. it's embracing it. And then all of a sudden it doesn't become so painful. Well, you and I make – at least part of our living speaking, yeah, uh, taking the the stage or the pulpit or the mic, it's the number one fear on most lists. Isn't that crazy? But you know what? Physiologically, there is really not a distinguishable difference between fear and excitement. Your body can't discern. It's it's all interpretation. It's, it's, at that a, point. it's a chemistry, basically. Right. You get the same feeling on a roller coaster that you can get driving your car off of a cliff. That's so true. But the interpretation is very yeah. different. Oh, yeah. And so – The finality is different. What if you could start to interpret it differently? Make friends with your stress. Make friends with anxiety in a way that you start to anticipate and and think of it and define it as excitement. Wow. That would be – Then you can get paid to speak. Yeah. And love it. Yeah. And just love the next one and make it more challenging and – Yeah, or whatever it is, yeah. you know. What is it that – the, the, the people who are really succeeding out there have found a way to make friends with the hard stuff. It's so true. And they're not just a bunch of people jumping off mountains. I mean, everyone gets that. Yeah, right. if, you, if you embrace your fear, you can be in a Mountain Dew commercial. <laughs> but this is more in, just embrace the stress of being a parent and s- see it as an opportunity to grow. Yeah, taking on the hard things of parenting, making the call, filling out the application, mm. showing up for the interview. Giving the speech, whatever it is. And feel the fear and do it anyway. Dr. Susan Jeffers wrote that book. Yeah. Feel the fear, do it anyway. Yeah. So don't like pretend like the fear is not there. Feel it. Embrace it. Recognize it. Notice what it is. Yeah. See what it's telling you. And and instead of automatically interpreting this as a bad thing that's bad for me, Mm -hmm. see that it's just a natural part of, of your humanity. Yeah. And that it serves some important adaptive purposes for you, and then it's less dangerous, which yeah. is the interesting outcome that Dr. McGonagall was talking about in, in That's her powerful. speech. Because then it's, then it's additive. So this, is, yeah. this event will only add to your experience. Exactly. All these things should give the experience. Mm. You heard that one? And strengthen you yeah. so that you can win the 5K. Again, don't know why you're running a 5K. <laughs> I mean, there. did you get a T-shirt? It, I got a T-shirt, but you know what? I'd run for a T-shirt. It was a kick. Was it? It was fun. Well, see, that, that, because you've changed your paradigm about that. Because I changed my but paradigm. But you also were getting a chemical high, let's be real. And I had, I had introduced myself to the stressful process of working out, training, running yeah. up the trails. So the 5K was easy. To where the 5K was a piece of cake. And you didn't have a mountain goat chasing you. Right. <laughs> Which made it a lot easier. I had a bunch of older guys chasing me. That's even better. Even better. Yeah. Paul Jenkins, you did it again. It's like, again, it's almost like it's like you know what you're doing. You know what? We have fun here, don't we? We totally do. 
We got to do it more yeah. often. But you're like so busy, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Hey, go check out uh, Dr. Paul's website, drpauljenkins.com, and his upcoming book, Pathological Positivity. Also, make sure you listen to his podcast, Live on Purpose Radio. Great stuff. He's the man. He's the myth. The legend, Dr. Paul Jenkins. We'll be back more right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. That's the hoedown music, which means it's time to have a hoedown. This is usually when Maddie starts her uh, weird kind of gyrations and head bobbing. I'm so excited from the Duggars. I I can't even hear the music. Are the Duggars <laughs> not? They're just great. I mean, again, you're but you're a big fan I'm anyway. I'm a huge fan. And there's something about your age that I find really interesting about it because my daughter's about your age and she loves the Duggars. They're just it's just fun and it's good entertainment. It's which it's is healthy, hard. it's good. Nobody dies and there's no Yeah. But it's funny and it's They're all dressed appropriately. It's it's a good thing. I um again I, I actually love the show and but I, I struggle because I have a hard time raising my own children. So oh, then watching the Duggars I, raise I nineteen stresses me. I also oh, yeah. so I struggle a little bit with it, but I love it. I kind of just fall my I, I find myself and maybe this is just where I was raised because I was the baby of a family oh. of three sisters. I was the baby, only boy, and then I was raised by my mother and three sisters. So that I, explains a lot, does it? Because I know that's what you're going to help us with. But I, I would rather just kind of watch a, a show where they catch alligators, <laughs> or play okay. deer, or play deer hunter, or play deer hunter 2014. Uh, bing! I think that's just probably because I was the fourth child, the baby child, spoiled rotten. So Sean has put something together for us because, and I don't think it, it counts when you get to 19 kids. I, I would hope not. I think your the research you found. Won't work anymore, but no. Apparently, yeah. birth order matters, right? It does. Yes, uh, at least according to this research that I found. Well, should we? Let's just lay out where everyone is. So well, I'm yeah. the baby. You're the baby of four. I'm the oldest. I only there's only two kids in my family. So you are the oldest. Yeah. Right, boy or girl after you? I had a sister. I have one okay. sister. Your She's parents two, two years younger. Good job, Miguel. I'm the oldest, and I have one younger brother. Okay, is he as ruggedly good looking? Yeah, yeah. Good. You get it from our parents. He has, he has different colored eyes, though. Yeah. Well, yours, you have one – you have every eye – both your eyes have different colors. Right. Awkward. Uh, and what about you, Maddie? <laughs> no, if Maddie's leaning over looking at me, no. <laughs> staring at I wasn't him. sure. Um, I am the second of four, but I am the oldest girl. Okay. So I have an older uh, brother. So you're the responsible one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That, there's a funny joke number about two, that in my family. <laughs> number one, number one, number four. Okay. Man. That well, explains it, a lot. Should we, should we start with the oldest child? <laughs> yeah, let's go with the oldest. That would be okay. you two. Yep. Yes. You have the you have the the Nemo Seagull syndrome. Nemo Seagull. What's mine is mine. <laughs> yeah. And what's yours is mine. Mine also. Mine. Yeah. Mine. 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 mine, 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 mine. Oh, that's mine. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the Nemo Seagull. Can we get a, a sound mine? for that? I don't have, I don't have one. Sorry. Well, yeah. for, the for the future, future Mark. I think we might need that when Matt's little. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I think we need. Yeah. Yeah, that's really um, good. <laughs> this person definitely wishes. Uh, I didn't. I don't. I didn't do this, but wishes they were an only child again. Yeah, I don't think I did that either. I didn't. Didn't you? My brother did when number baby girl number four. The fourth okay, child a, was another girl. He no, was like, you, okay. 
So the oldest is a boy in your family? Yeah. Are the rest girls? Yes. Uh, okay. So I think when the, I would the say last yes. little girl was <laughs> born, he was like, let me go back to being a boy and yeah. the only one. <laughs> poor guy. Poor, poor guy. Well, also the oldest child has this sense of entitlement. Yes. To they're, everything. They're the diva. Do we exactly. do that? They're the overachiever. Um, Were you overachievers? I, yeah. No. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I don't. I, well, is, is your is your little ways, sister yes. a bigger overachiever? No, no. Actually, my my sister was uh, mentally disabled, so I didn't. I, and, you you pro- know, yeah, that was interesting. You probably were yeah. more of a caregiver, really. You you were At a times. supportive brother, mm-hmm. not needing yeah. to like dominate. Mm-hmm. That's neat. So we, you know, we. I had an interesting childhood. I think I yeah. thought it was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Well, and but as an older child, I still had I I. At times, had that sense of entitlement. Did you? Yeah. I, as a, as the youngest child, I owned the house. <laughs> I had we'll all it. entitlement. We'll get to you later. Well, I know, but I, I so I think that was reversed in my. But family. even though the rest of the siblings thought they owned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But honestly, they knew I had it. I <laughs> <laughs> was the golden child. Okay, uh, keep going. Okay, but the oldest child does not understand. It, but it, I can tell you right now, I do understand this. What a hand me down is. No, totally. Everything no. was new. Now I want to know what hand me downs you had, having four sisters. Holy <laughs> cow! Sisters. I wore. More girls' clothes. Oh, no. <laughs> Capris. No, I'm the oldest girl, and I didn't get hand-me-downs. sweaters. No, that would that – would, yeah, but we use – hey, hand-me-downs in my house, that's a thing. You, you didn't have a hand-me-down? No, 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 in my oh, current Oh, with your girls. Oh, yeah. yeah. By the time your last oh. child's wearing it, it's just greasy. I give and, all of – my sisters get all of my clothes, but right. I always got new stuff. It's oh, interesting boy. in my household, though, because my number three child is smaller than my number four child. Really? So it goes out of order. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Isn't that? But that's true. See, I have five boys. Mm-hmm. They get there. It's big time. Handy exactly. Huh. But words that describe the oldest child. Yes. Reliable. Hmm. Structured. Hmm. Cautious. Hmm. Controlling. Yeah, for sure. And achievers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So middle child. Middle child. More the, more the mm-hmm. Maddie here. The Maddie. More than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say redhead. Oh. Or are we making – let's give some words. <laughs> Did you feel like you got the least attention? Um, some At some times, but I also felt like it was because I didn't need the attention mm-hmm. sometimes that my younger – so I understood that. Mm-hmm. Well, And you also know how to go get attention. True. Oh, no. Oh, I don't have to take care of myself. Oh, oh, no. oh, 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 like that oh. dance thing you do that we, we joke about as a seizure. <laughs> that is an attention-getting no, exercise. Fun. Well, they've um, installed a defibrillator just yeah. for you. No, did you hear about that? HR is like, I think we've got a problem. Yeah. Uh, the middle child will also sometimes get overlooked due to the needs of the older or the younger child. Yeah. I, we had – I have – uh, we have overlooked four of our children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, I would, there's, two, there's two children. I can really tell you right now there are less pictures of the younger kids than there are the older kids. Oh, for sure. And since I'm in the older half, though, there are more home movies and pictures yes. of me yes. than my younger so, so I kind of have the best of both. Now, oldest, being the oldest though. girl, you didn't get hand-me-downs because no. you were you were of the girl. Yeah. You're, you have an I older brother. first girl. Mm-hmm. But hand-me-downs from the older siblings. Yeah. My, yeah. my younger yeah. sister, the middle of the girls, definitely knows hand-me-downs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, it's hard to be the middle child. Now, how about this one? Did you ever pay for the mistakes of the older child? 
Um, <laughs> well, my older like, brother is perfect. If they, if the older child wrecks the car and the parents um, don't buy another well, one. Well, this is the thing. My older brother is perfect, mm. so I got more. I had to. Li- I was supposed to live up to that, and I kind of really lowered the bar for my sisters. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This isn't going to do. We're oh, putting the bar that's down not here." True. <laughs> so, the middle child, they're like they're people pleasers. Mm, totally Rebe- rebellious. Yes, that's Maddie <laughs> and the peacemaker. That is also true. Are they really? Yes. Huh. I definitely, I definitely felt like that. That's sometimes I can, in my I house. see that in my family actually. I'm not a peacemaker. So now let's go to the youngest child. Yes. This is all about Matt. The golden child. We like to call <laughs> him the golden child. A show off who enjoys the spotlight. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so me. I know. You own a radio. There you is a, a radio spotlight show. directly. I know. In the studio studio right now. The I'm glad we're in this The angels studio. are singing. Yeah. Do you guys feel, it just feel better about myself. <laughs> Both a charmer and a rebel. Bingo. Uh, rebel. But you are yeah. a charmer for Total sure. Total charmer. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, guys, well, I'll ask Mike and Maddie about this one. Hard to deal with? <laughs> yeah, let's hear that. Actually, we, I'd love to have your wife on the phone No, right no, no. Now. She's not available. <laughs> no comment. I'd like to keep my job. I'd like to keep my job as well. <laughs> Excellent. We can talk about See, it off the See, that's the controlling air. side <laughs> of me. I'll take the fifth. I am. What was the question? Uh, hard to deal uh, with. Hard to deal with. I was just agree or disagree. That's the question. I agree. Okay. <laughs> I am hard to deal with. The family clown? Yes. Oh. Definitely. Uh, creative, yes. Yeah. Often not taken seriously. Constantly. I don't. I still. I'm not sure when to take you seriously. I'm not even sure when to take <laughs> me seriously. You're not sure when to take me seriously. No. Sometimes we'll be talking. I'll be like, I don't know if he's. I need to like remind yeah, you. I'm really serious tell. about this, Matt. <laughs> you guys. Yeah. We need to work on that. How about likely compelled to do what their older siblings have not done? Yes. Because my sisters, I didn't want to do anything they were doing. Because that was so girly. Well, they were girls. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Call me. Oh first. gosh. Make decisions without thinking about them. Uh, yeah. I what I found is the more you think about it, the more you regret it. So mm-hmm. I have a rule that I don't spend like when I shop, I don't spend longer than ten minutes thinking. Impulsive. Well, and it's Some not. It's, it's actually I have brain. to force myself to do it because. I don't want to have a regret by overthinking it. So I just push through. Get it. I'd rather just not. No, I didn't think about it. That makes more sense. And carries the reputation or the family banner. Yes. I do. Townsend. But see, I was the boy. I was the only boy. So I'm the only one carrying on the Townsend name because I was the only Townsend of an only Townsend male of an only Townsend male of an only Townsend male. Wow, you got lucky because I'm I'm the only boy in the O'Neill and it's ending here. Really? Because I have four girls. You could you Sean, could have named one of it. them O'Neal. Mm-hmm. You don't. Hey, hey. No, you need some. I don't kids. need a basketball team. <laughs> I have five boys now, so if you yeah. hear about a Townsend and they do something really right, well, it was mine. <laughs> but All that's right. interesting. Yeah. So I, some words: fun-loving, uncomplicated. I'm not mm-hmm. complicated. No, this says uncomplicated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that one. Manipulative, outgoing, attention seeker. Everyone thinks I am, but I really would rather not have attention. Self-centered. But I have to do it on the radio. Yeah. Or when you make your living doing it, then you have to do it. But I'd rather go be alone. Like right now when we're done, I'm just going to go be alone for the rest of the night. Well, you get to to drive home. I know. And it might take longer than normal. Oh, that's true. (laughs) This is good. So we've learned. You guys are kind of messed up. (laughs) And we can blame our parents. 
Of now, course. Well, don't you wonder? So the Duggars would really have the oldest, the youngest, and then what? Seventeen Lots in between. Of yes. Kids. No kidding. But I think the way they've they've fixed it is they just have all of the. It's it's not just a parent child thing. It's the family taking care of each other. They have buddies Everyone. and yeah. stuff. So a younger and yeah. an older are it's paired like up. A, yeah, it's like a it's like a buddy a pair. Uh, it's the buddy system. It's the buddy system. Like when you are on vacation. And they make it work so well. Oh, what a great example. So a great show overall, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. Proud of you guys. And um, I just want to challenge you that if the Duggars can have 19 kids, you guys could have 20, 30 even. Nope. M- Maddie, 30. Mm-mm. Anyway, don't do it. Just do I mean, if, if your motto is, you know, 19 kids and counting, you got to have 19 kids. <laughs> if not, don't worry about it. That's the show, folks. Thanks for joining us again. We're here to give you some tools, some ideas to help you find the good in life and to help you find the good life. Remember, that good life is going to include your family, love, and God. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back. More ideas, more tools tomorrow right here on BYU Radio.